Welcome to Time Change Sunday. The funnest thing about Time Change Sunday is that some people will be arriving in about 15 minutes. And just pretend like, just pretend like everything's normal and don't stare at them because they'll think, whoa, what's, uh, what's going on here? It, it happens almost every year. It does. The other Time Change Sunday people come an hour early and uh, that's always fun to see. So, so it, uh, I always have coffee ready for them because there's always a few. But this, this time of the year, they, they come back. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. Who here hates changing the clock in your car? Other clocks are great. I mean, but the car thing is always hard. You just have to hit all those buttons. And Kathy's mom is 93, and she brings it to the dealer to have the, to the clock changed. Who's going to say no to a 93-year-old lady who comes in? It's just wonderful stuff. Well, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Mark 9, verse 49. That's Mark 9, verse 49. I'm Dave Householder, blessed to be your Bible teacher. And for those of you who came in after Jessica introduced herself, she was leading worship today. Jessica's over there. And uh, Tamara and Kim is back there, our worship pastor. They all say hi. And this message is going out to a bigger group than you might think. It's, it's just absolutely fascinating. We're getting more and more people listening to the podcast. I, I once counseled a couple 20 years ago, and I forgot about them. And uh, he'd been through a sort of a nasty divorce, and some stuff had happened, and, and I just got a, a message um, recently that uh, he and his wife are spending summers or winters in Costa Rica, and they're listening to our teaching. I just like, Wow, it's so a lot of this is getting out. We have a lot of people joining our Facebook page every day. This morning there's 11 more that I found. There was eight more a few days ago. So this uh, our teaching is getting out there, which is really, really fun. So uh, why don't you folks just say hi to everybody out there? I want you to like wave like crazy. They won't see it, but just wave and say hi, everybody. Well, there you go. I was raised... I was raised in Idaho. I was born and raised in Idaho in the mountains, and I was raised Lutheran. And for those of you who don't know what Lutheran is, uh, who here was raised Lutheran? I mean, not just later, but early on. For those of you who don't know, Lutheran is kind of like Catholic with all the magic and color taken out. It's just sort of, sort of a uh, – nothing against Lutherans at all. Lutherans are great people. But Lutherans are understated people, and they – they tend to be a little on the bland side, and blandness was a spiritual gift, I think, that they encouraged us to have. So the more understated we were, the less people noticed us, the better. You know, and we had phrases growing up like, yeah, don't expect too much, and then you'll never be disappointed, don't you know, With, which is not exactly a faith-filled way of going through life. It's not. It's, a, it's kind of the opposite. But there was that kind of thing, and, you know, it's just very, very little flavor and color, and that hour on Sunday morning, and it was always exactly an hour, it was an endurance contest. You just sat there and just hoped to get through it, and hoped that God gave you points for it, because you just, you're just you sitting through this thing, and there it is. And it, I'm, In every denomination, there's great stuff and bad stuff, and one of the things about how I was raised was sort of a blandness, and it wasn't just church, it was the diet. We put cream of mushroom soup on everything. And it made, made everything kind of gray. You know, it just, it just it, we had no spices at all growing up. We, all we had was salt and pepper. And the salt and pepper was this 
when I graduated from high school, it was the same salt in there. I don't think I ever saw anybody use it. It was a, it, it was a decorative thing. You know, you had to have that there. It's a, you're smiling a lot here, Daryl. You grew up with this. You kind of you you know all about this. This is this, this is the same stuff. Yes, I was raised a Lutheran in Idaho, and cream mushroom soup and blandness was the key. And the truth is, a lot of people think a lot of people are afraid to become Christians because their idea of becoming Christians is that now we'll have to be bland. Uh, now I can't go to parties anymore. Now I can't uh, be colorful. Now I've got to be understated, and I've got to just kind of disappear into the beige wallpaper. And seriously, especially with men, there's a lot of men who don't want to become Christians because it's, oh, so I don't get to be a guy anymore. If you don't believe me, walk into a church with a bunch of women and say, our men are going on a hunting retreat for the church. <gasps> there'll, be, there'll be a gasp, you know, hunting, that's terrible. Every little thing that guys do, they it's like you can't do that. And there is a sense to which to become a Christian is to be human, but just less so. Uh, and if you don't believe that, that's out there. That's out there in the culture. And if you don't believe that, I'll show you a, a picture in just a second. A lot of this came from monasteries. Uh, monasteries, who knows about the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, as you've seen Monty Python and all that stuff, the, the Dark Ages. And they, they're wearing robes, you know, and the whole deal. They, the monasteries were good because they kept Western culture alive, and they kept literacy alive. And they copied the Bible down for us, and they kept that moving, and they kept learning alive and those good things. But they also did a number on the Christian church because they started to project the idea that to be a monk or a nun was the, the high point of being a Christian. To be a real Christian, to be a souped-up Christian, was to give up family, give up the marketplace, give up your freedom, and become a bland person. And dress like everyone else, and uh, don't talk unless you're spoken to. And, and that went for centuries, and it really put its mark on the Christian faith. And much of what we think of the Christian faith is really just monastic thinking. A lot of us have turned Jesus into just a monk. You know, if you want to be more, more Christ-like, you've got to be more bland. But Jesus, as Tamara said, was not bland. Jesus was not killed for being understated. He was killed for being in people's face. A lot. You know, calling important people brood of vipers and stuff. That kind of, right up there with the assertive, you know, a very assertive person. Yeah, he's, he's right up with Pontius Pilate, who's running the whole area, the governor of the whole area. And the governor says, well, I could let you off. He says, you got no power over me. Yeah, you know, and so, so seriously, this guy was, this guy was assertive. He was killed for being too assertive. And yet Christians, because of the monasteries, we think, oh, if I become a Christian, I'm going to have to be a human, but less so. Just kind of take it down a notch and just disappear and, and all that kind of stuff. Because there is a cultural icon for what outsiders think of as Christians. And it's Ned Flanders. Uh, this, this, is, this didn't come from nowhere. People laugh when Ned Flanders comes on The Simpsons because that's what the outside world thinks of as Christians. He is a timid pushover. And to become a Christian means to be a timid pushover, to lose your assertiveness, to lose your color, to lose your flavor, to lose anything like that. No wonder people don't want to go to church. Uh, church going is, is uh, dropping all over the country, basically. And uh, my wife and I had a conversation about that. What do you think is causing that? And uh, part of it is people don't want to be Ned Flanders. They, they don't want to be a, a pushover. They don't want to be timid. And you know, Ned Flanders, any little thing, rocks his faith. Anybody has a question, he just gets all worried about his faith being wrong. And I run into people like that too. I, I had a guy in my church in Minnesota who came to me and said, Pastor, 
Jesus wasn't in the grave for three days. I said, oh, yeah, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. He says, yeah, but that's not even really 48 hours because it was the morning. And, and he got all worried about it. I said, well, it's just kind of, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, third day rise, you know, that kind of stuff. He said, no, but it says three days in three days. And it wasn't the full three days. What if the whole Bible's wrong? I'm going, so he was just going all Ned Flanders on me. And uh, the pastor in The Simpsons once told Ned Flanders, maybe you should find another religion because he just kept having these questions, you know, and, and he would get all worked up over all of these little things. And the truth is, if you were to ask 100 people at Bellaterra, are Christians more exciting or less exciting than other people, we wouldn't be up on the list of more exciting. We wouldn't score very well in those polls because of the cultural expectations and internal expectations in the church. So what do we do about that? Well, we're looking at the simple gifts right now, the Jewish housewarming gifts. And just really neat stuff like bread, salt. Hang on till the last Sunday in the series and you all get a mezuzah. A mezuzah is something that Jewish people put on their doorposts because the Bible says to put the word of God on your doorposts. And there's like a Torah scroll on the inside. I ordered these from Israel for everybody, one for every family. So you got to come back for that Sunday. It's kind of like baseball. You get like a, a cap day or, you know, this is going to be mezuzah Sunday. You just show up and get one of those. And uh, it's it's a prayer for protection over your house because the Bible talks about putting the word of God on our, our doorposts. So we're going to do that. And uh, we're doing salt today. And uh, very interesting teaching on on salt. Nancy over here um, showed me a clip from the Wonderful Life where they actually bring the Jewish gifts to the door. If you remember that, those of you who like movies, uh, they they bring the bread, they bring the salt, and they they bring wine and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of fun to watch. Anyways, let's look at our Bible passage. Let's look at Mark nine forty nine and fifty. Now, this is Jesus talking like he sometimes talks, and it's very it's a very confusing chapter. If you read through it, Jesus doesn't talk in straight lines. He, he talks in kind of like this. It's this, it's this, it's this, and he's kind of hard to follow in that sense. Um, you ever notice that Jesus doesn't answer anybody directly? He basically answers with a question that tells them it's the wrong question they were asking. So he just kind of throws it back on people and it causes a big, you know, a big stink and all that kind of stuff because he was a really salty guy, very salty guy. And he would really get right at what that question was about by asking them to reframe the question. People talk about this gentle Jesus and I think, where is he in the Bible? Like he's St. Francis of Assisi or something. He really never was that. Jesus was extremely, extremely assertive. I hear this from, from people who don't go to church. Well, Jesus was just a wise, gentle teacher, and he was killed for being wise and gentle. I think, no, he was not killed for being wise and gentle. Jesus was killed for, for questioning the authorities of the time and questioning the temple worship and questioning the Romans and, and going after things and going after the heart of God and his spirit and what he's doing in the world. That's what he got killed for, because that to this day is still threatening to the establishment. It's very threatening. I, what government in the world doesn't over time try to get rid of spiritual stuff? They all do. They all try to over time because it's threatening. If the first commandment is you shall have no other gods, then what? 
you can never put America first. I, I'm all, I'm as patriotic as anybody. There's nobody here more patriotic than me. Come to our house when the parade goes by and the flag is there, I'll cry. I just do. But for Christians, America always has to be at least second because the Lord has to come first. And that's why they go after the believers whenever a dictator takes over because they can never put that government first. I understand what they're saying, America first, what, you know, putting us in front of, you know, prioritizing our own country. That's, that's, I get that. I, that's what they're intending to say. But do you see where there's a, there's an issue there? It's always going to be the Lord first for our faithful people. And that becomes threatening for people for whom that's, that's an issue. So, yeah. Um, so here he's talking like, for everyone shall be salted with fire and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And Jesus goes on, salt is good, but if the salt lost its saltiness, but if the salt have lost his saltness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Have salt within yourselves. Now, these are confusing passages, so we're going to unpack these a little bit, but I want to talk just a little bit about salt itself. Salt for us is trivial. It's cheap. They give it out for free. They don't charge you a nickel for a little thing of salt at Burger King. It just sits there in a little thing. You take as much as you want. And it's one of the most inexpensive things we have is salt. But that's new. Do you know why there was a taboo against spilling salt? Because it was expensive. And that's what you tell your kids. Oh, a curse is going to come on you if you spill that salt. Because people had to carry this in caravans and stuff to, to bring it to your house. And rich people had plenty of salt and other people didn't. And salt was not that plentiful, especially inland where people were away from the ocean and they had, to, they had to trek it in. And there was no trucks back then. So it was basically mule teams and things that would bring in salt and they'd sold it. And it was expensive. And it was vital. Before refrigeration, it was really vital because that's how meat was preserved. And other things were preserved. And that was a disinfectant also. Salt is sodium chloride. Chloride is chlorine. When I was in junior high, we had a swimming team in our junior high, and I could tell who was on the swimming team because they all had green hair. Why did they have green hair? Because of the, the chlorine. Nowadays, they're putting more salt in the pool, sodium chlorine, and it's salt is a more natural disinfectant, and it's most pools you go to now have more of that than less of the chlorine, which is good. But salt is a disinfectant, and it's a preservative, and it brings out the flavor of food. And I was so excited. One of the reasons I married Wendy was because of spice. Uh, she grew up in Southeast Asia. I grew up Lutheran. So one of our first dates, she made popcorn for me, and she put curry powder on it. And my brain exploded in a, in a, in a good way. I thought, what is that? Wow. How cool is this? And I, she was sort of my, my drug dealer in spice. You know, she was just... just she would look, try this, try that. Oh, wow. You know, and so that's how she hooked me. And that's why we're married. But still, just kidding. But my whole world came alive when I realized food could taste like something. I was skinny before I met Wendy. I'm, I'm not anymore. I, I thickened with, with spice. We'll do that. It's just eat. I, there, were, there were times when I didn't feel. If you grew up Lutheran, there were times when you don't feel like eating that much. I mean, I bet you we get a picture of Daryl when he was 17, too. I bet you he was skinny. I mean, it's just, it's just, oh, yeah, see? Yeah, it's just part of that. The food, 
food here in California, I can't believe everyone isn't fat because it's really good. There's a lot of stuff out. You go to the Thai wave, it's like, whoa, you know, this is wonderful stuff. And so God wants us to be saltier, to be spicier, to be more colorful, to be human and more so, not human and less so. And to be spirit-filled means to be human and more so, more awake. So there's different kinds of salt. There's iodized table salt. Iodine, by the way, 2 billion of the 7 or 8 billion people in the world are iodine deficient. And it causes brain problems. And so they put just a teeny tiny bit of iodine in salt because it mixes really well with salt. Salt mixes really well with everything because it's, it's a solvent. And so there it is. And it really helps us. They put a little bit of that in there. Table salt, by the way, is twice as heavy as kosher salt. So you've got to be a little bit more careful with table salt because there's more of it in each piece of whatever. Kosher salt is, well, all salt, repeat after me, all salt is kosher. Kosher salt is not kosher salt because it's kosher. It's kosher because they use it to make meat kosher. They put this kind of salt on meat and it pulls the blood out of the meat. And Jewish people can't eat blood. That's just one of the rules. And so they actually pack their meat in kosher salt, which makes the meat kosher because it's fluffier and it absorbs more. Sea salt is best used in cooking right before you serve it because it's got a little crunch to it and you don't want to lose that. It's, a, it's got minerals in it. It tastes good. And you're going to see some of that today. You get to take some home. Salt is an electrolyte and it preserves and it disinfects. Salt is sodium chloride. It's two ions, positive and negative, if you're a chemistry person. So we're going to get at what salt was all about. And here it says in the Bible, season, this is in Leviticus, season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offerings. Add salt to all your offerings. I did not know this was in the Bible. I've read through the Bible several times, but all of the offerings in the temple and the tabernacle were salted. They put salt into it. Salt is symbolic of purity. Salt is symbolic of disinfecting, of preserving. And in a lot of superstitions, it's used to keep out demons and things. Uh, for superstitious people, they'll put salt around. I, this morning on YouTube, there was a YouTube video that said, Will a circle of salt keep a snake from getting out? I had to watch that, so I clicked on it. And they put the snake in their snake just came right out, even though it is a superstition that they won't cross a salt line, but they just do. So a lot of those superstitions, a lot of those superstitions are just silly. But why do why do those superstitions come from? Is because salt is seen as something that protects us. It's subconsciously seen as something that helps, something that's important, something that's pure. And if it's pure, then the snakes won't cross, or so they say. So let's look at the deep well. Who thinks salvation is important? If you're having a big fight with a Christian, it's a good idea at some point to say, well, this isn't a salvation issue. Like how big the cup is for communion or what kind of bread you use or, or those kind of things. Not, most arguments in the church are not a salvation issue. Salvation issues are big deals, like who's saved and who's not saved. That's a big deal. The word salvation comes from the Latin word, the Latin word for salt. S-A-L. It's the root word for salt. Uh, Susan Seltzer, German, the one who brings salt. I think Salazar in Spanish is the one who sells salt. Salt is comes from that Latin word. 
And salvation comes from the word salt, as does the word solution, solve, and salve. Salve is for healing. So salve is something you put on a wound for, for healing. Especially back in ancient times, they had you know, more natural remedies and stuff for things like that. So the Latin word to solve, to solve a problem, Jesus solves our human predicament. And he is the solution to the human condition. Therefore, salvation is talking about how God saves us. So the Latin word salt is at the root of salvation, which is something a lot of people don't know. Most languages, except for English, we've got a different word for healing and salvation. Most languages don't. It's the same word. By his stripes you were healed. Healed, saved is the same thing in most languages. Because healing is a solution to your physical problem. Solution, solve, the whole thing. Solvent, something that dissolves. Do you see the same word in all of this stuff? This root's a very important root in our language. For instance, in German, the word for salvation and the word for salvation, excuse me, salvation and healing are the same thing. And the word is, we've got a street right here in Huntington Beach, Heil. Heil, from which we get health, is healing. Heil is also salvation. In fact, Heil's Geschichte, if you study theology, is this history of salvation. How God has saved his people through the Bible. And how that changes when Jesus comes. And so, every time you go by Heil, you can think salvation. You can think healing. Same word. So, do you see where healing and salvation are very close together? And when people went to bring the good news in the New Testament, they also brought healing. They would pray for healing. In fact, there's missionaries who go out into the global south, and they say basically just say, bring out your sick people. And they pray over them. People get healed, and they get saved. And in most languages, you don't really hear the difference between the two. They're very close together. In fact, this is why Hitler was so scary. What do people shout at the big rallies? Zieg Heil. Zieg is victory. Heil is salvation and healing. Salvation healing through Hitler. It's not saying hello Hitler. It's salvation Hitler. Do you see where this was a problem for believers in Germany? Do you see where they went after the Jews? Because the Jews said, uh -uh. we've got a first commandment which we stick to. And we can't get salvation from you, so we're going to keep our hands on our sides when you guys are doing this thing which got them in trouble. You see where this happens? Folks, if there's persecution and you're a person of faith, I hope you look good on wood. We live in a really safe time right now. But there could come a time, especially for you younger people, because you've got more years ahead of you, where that's going to be tested. Are you going to keep the first commandment or not? If someone, you know, who's got all the authority says, you know, either you put me first or else, which happens all the time in history, it's a good idea to just prepare yourself for that a little bit. Kind of be ready just in case that, ha hope it never does. This country was set up that it's not supposed to happen. Who thinks it could happen having read history? Be careful about those things. So, salvation, solution, solve, salve, heal, heal, salvation, preserve. Blood, sweat, and tears was a music group back in the 60s, but your blood, sweat, and tears are salty. Who, who's medical enough to help 
know how much water we are. Some percent. 0.9? We're only 0.9% water? 75, 65, 9. Water, yeah. Salt content, 0.9. Yes, uh, Lou is a pharmacist. You, would, you want them to get the percentages right, pharmacists. That's important because otherwise you end up either high or dead. You know, So I trust his number on that one. And then it's, it was 65, 75% water. And that's salt water. And Robert had the best question I've heard at our couples group. If we're made of salt water, why can't we drink it? I'm going to ask God that right away when I get up to heaven. That's a, that's a great question. You would think if we're salt water on the inside, we would like salt water. You think that would be good, but it's not. So, anyways, Matthew 5.13. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are here to bring flavor, to disinfect, to preserve, not to be against the culture, but to bring out the flavor of the culture. A good missionary won't come down on all the things happening in the culture, won't come down on the music. They'll bring out the best of what's going on in that culture through the Holy Spirit. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Jesus is not encouraging us here to be bland. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Colossians 4, verse 6. Our speech should be salty. And you can be too salty. But it should have some bite to it. We often just have this bland Christianese that we talk to each other. It's just kind of, ooh, just kind of uh, saccharine sweet. and. Ugh. So we, we need to be able to talk normal with people. This is one thing I learned from Nicky Gumbel in the Alpha Course. He says, when you're praying, talk normal. Talk normal. It just So many people pray, they throw in the weirdest stuff, you know. Every, everybody's putting hedges of protection around people, you know, and all this stuff, all this Christianese is going on. And it freaks people out. Just talk like you normally would. Or they, they throw in, you know, like, well, never mind. So, the way we can be salty as Christians is to be spirit-filled. Let's say that again. The way to be salty as Christians is to be spirit-filled. Now, if people ask, what kind of church is this? It's a spirit-filled church. We strive to be open to the Holy Spirit and to be led by the Holy Spirit. We just had a prayer meeting over there, and we asked God what to tell us for this message. And he does. When you ask, God's got more talk than we've got listen. Oh, God doesn't talk to me. Well, unplug your ears. Because God's broadcasting 24-7. We start, we start every trustees board meeting here, not with old business, new business. We start it, it's in the, it's in the agenda. Prophetic prayer time. We listen for the Lord. We ask Him to speak to us. We expect Him to speak to us. And Kramer did a prophetic thing for a long time, and that kind of wound up in our, our trustees' meetings. And it should be the first thing we do, is to listen to God for direction. This is really key. Now, the technical terms are Pentecostal charismatic for a spirit-filled church. Pentecostal just means to be focused on the day of Pentecost when people were filled with the Holy Spirit. 
if we're just focused on Christmas and Easter, which are great, the birthday of the church wasn't Christmas, wasn't Easter, it was Pentecost. Pentecost. And Pentecost is when we get connected directly to God through the Holy Spirit who speaks to us. And that is something which we emphasize here. We're part of three faith families that are Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled. Just use spirit-filled with people on the outside because they don't know the technical terms. Pentecostal focused on the day of Pentecost. Charismatic just means that we are open to the spiritual gifts. Prophecy, healing, tongues and interpretation, uh, all of those gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, we say that those gifts are for today. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that those have an expiration date. It, it's These are gifts which we can operate in. The ARC, the Alliance of Renewal Churches, is one of our faith families. The Foursquare Church is another one, and Curcio. All three, and Curcio, they sing over and over asking the Holy Spirit to come throughout the weekend. And it is not a bland experience. Who here has been through a Curcio weekend? It's always, what's coming down the road is always more colorful than what you think is going to be. There's something coming along. And when we go to a big Foursquare gathering, the worship thing is just wonderful. It's like a party. And the ARC people teach us all kinds of things about listening to the Lord. So everywhere Christians go, we ought to be bringing flavor. We ought to be bringing a disinfecting sort of thing. We ought to be making things better than they were. And we ought to be bringing out the best of the culture that's there. We ought to be human and more so, not human and less so. To be spirit-filled means to be saltier. And not to just be a bland, Ned Sanders kind of Christian. I'm going to invite the worship team up here. We're going to do things just a little different here. We have an upcoming sermon series right after Easter called A Breath Away. Why did we think of this sermon series? Well, a few months ago, what we did is we got together as trustees and we prayed for the Lord to give us sermon series titles. And they all came, and the whole the whole year got filled up. And so months ago, the Lord, Lord told us, after Easter, do a breath away, which will include Pentecost. And we're going to be teaching on the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, and what he does, and what these gifts are, and how to operate in them. And today, we're going to give you just a little like preview reel of that. I love movie previews. Who here could watch movie previews just instead of the movie? Just, you know, just, just sit there and watch them. You know, the guy with the big voice, you know, everybody talks like this. And, and the whole thing happens. I just love it. But uh, we're going to do a little preview here today. What we're going to do is we're going to stand up in just a moment and ask the Lord to make us more open to the Holy Spirit, each of us individually, as, us as a church. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back into the corner there. I have no idea what Tamara's going to do after Jessica and the team play, because we'll let the Holy Spirit decide. But I'm going to stand back there. And for those of you, and you know who you are, when it's a little chilly day and you show up at the pool, and some people are getting in really carefully, you're one of those people who just wants to jump in. If you're one of those people that doesn't want to wait for the sermon series coming up, I'll be over there. And I will pray with you to get filled with the Spirit. And I have to warn you, you won't be the same afterwards. And I have to warn you again that the Holy Spirit will come because the Bible promises that the Holy Spirit will come when you ask him. 
That's one prayer that comes with a guarantee. And it's quite an experience. In fact, it has to do with salt. I played football in the 70s, decades ago. And back then, we didn't care about safety and stuff. I mean, even the coaches would hit us. I mean, it was just different back then. And occasionally, we get knocked out. And the coaches always had something in their pocket. Smelling salt. And you would come too. Fast. That stuff is nasty. Because you'd be just lying on the ground. Stick it there. Just like this. You know, your eyes would go like, boom, boom, like that. Getting filled with the Spirit. Now, you can be one of those people at the pool that just takes your time. You'll wait for the sermon series. That's fine. Learn all about the Holy Spirit. And just in your time, you'll do that. Get filled with the Spirit during that sermon series. But if you're the kind of person who just does a cannonball no matter what, and you know who you are, I'll be in the back. So if you don't want to wait for the sermon series, and refill. That's right. This is the cool thing. This is very politically incorrect. I don't know if we should put it on the podcast. But I love Europe. My, I have a European wife. Um. I love going to Europe. I love everything about Europe. Europe is really cool. But I hate the fact that you can't get refills on your drinks. What is it about that? Seriously. You you order a, a Pepsi and it's warm and it sits there with no ice and it's about this big and you order another one. It's another four bucks. What? It's crazy. Here you go to Burger King. You order a small. Go back 36 times. You got to go to the bathroom for two days. But still, you... you you, you've got this. You, you, for those of you, this is very incorrect, but when it comes to refills with the Holy Spirit, God's American. <laughs> Free refills. So the Holy Spirit sometimes just leaks out. You know, we just need a, need a refill. So people get crabby, you know, and so maybe you need a refill. I could name a couple of you need a refill, but anyways. <laughs> So I will be back there, and I, I'll, my feelings will not be hurt if you don't come up there. Please don't come up to me and just start chatting, because somebody might want to jump in and uh, get some salt added. And, uh, and it will change the way your, your faith is, and you will not be Ned Flanders if you're filled with the Spirit. Okay. <laughs> I feel alive. <laughs> Let's stand up. Be filled and refilled with the Spirit. I just invite you all to stand up and uh, close your eyes and open up your hands in front of you if you would. It's, it's important to have our body language open. Lord, we... Uh, we want to be a spirit-filled church, and that's not something we can strive for. That's something we can only be open to. And we want to be the kind of church, Lord, where people say they're human, but just more so, not less so. Their eyes are full of life. That uh, we lack, we lack the anxiety that this world has. The anxiety is just like epidemic in our country right now. And, Lord, fear just makes us stupid. We don't want to be fearful. We want to go out there with courage. 
And Lord, this is an amazing country. This is an amazing state, California, Lord. And we want to bring out the flavor of this place. We don't want to wreck this culture. We want to make it taste better. And we want our presence to be there, Lord. So I just pray right now that you fill us as a church with your spirit. The people who've just been here once or twice get asked, what kind of church is that? Oh, they're spirit-filled. Lord, I don't want to be led by doctrines. Doctrine's important, and we want to teach the right thing, but in the end, it's about your guidance directly. It's about your guidance. So I just pray for more of your spirit right now, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you'd pour your spirit into us like living water, from the top of our heads to the tips of our toes, the tips of our fingers. More of your presence, Lord. More of you. More of you. We want to be more alive, more awake, less fearful, more courageous, more loving, more daring. We need to give up our lives for others if the opportunity presents itself. Lord, I remember being raised on Lutheran food and eating curry popcorn for the first time, Lord. I just pray that you would fill us with that uh, exciting sense of your presence. Because Holy Spirit, you're welcome here.